there was a shortage of housing, and it's really hard to have a uprising or throw off uh, a foreign government when you can hardly get enough food to feed yourself and have any housing. I think it was estimated that eighty percent of the Polish people had to use their their efforts and time just to survive. Paulo Repetto here. Welcome to episode one, season two of the Untold Stories of Missions. Today, we hear an incredible story of God's provision in a time of struggle from James Sleva of Indianapolis, Indiana. James Sleva's story starts off after graduating Gateway Bible College. Unsure of the direction he should take, a door opened up to go to Germany. With no burden for the Germans or missionary work in general, and having struggled with foreign language in school, this option seemed like the wrong direction. However, after having everything fall so perfectly in place to go, Brother Sliva went on on what he thought would be a three-month trip. Well, this trip turned into 15 years. And during this time, many amazing things happened. But here is one particularly crazy story titled The Angel. Well, one particular adventure I'm thinking of is in the, the very late 70s. I'm, I have a Polish heritage. And so we had um, uh, my family here in the United States. My grandma was born actually in uh, Nowy Sons, Poland. And um, so we had there's some of our relatives that visited actually Poland and, and made contact. And so we were aware of family members there. And so I'm in Germany and um, it always seemed like a nice idea to, be, to visit your relatives. And of course, I don't speak Polish and they didn't speak English, but through the help of Brother Sam Balsa, we did establish a, a contact visit and had a chance to, to witness to them maybe a couple occasions. And then suddenly there's a change in the history of Poland of course, it had been a, a part of the Soviet Union. It was under communism. Uh, a lot of, uh, what would you say, anti-American, anti-Western flavors were in communism, which kind of made um, Poland just kind of a little of an antsy place to want to go visit. It required a bunch of visas and red tape, and you're always at the embassy. You'd always be suspiciously regarded whenever you were applying for visas and stuff. So I, I had a couple experiences going there, and then. What happens in history in the late 70s in Poland, it, this is the beginning of the fall of the Soviet Empire. The Polish people tried to rise up with solidarity to rise up and get their own government and, and throw off communism. And this is their first early attempt to do so. And there was a, a huge reaction by the martial law was imposed. Uh, Lech Walesa was the leader at the time was trying to rise up and he got arrested and just a number of things that happened and um, of course I was in correspondence with my family members just prior to this happening and I guess the, the pressure that was on what the government had done is it was um, it was diverting food that the Polish people were growing and exporting it for Western currency which was a valuable thing for the government there was a shortage of housing and it's really hard to have a uprising or throw off uh, a foreign government when you can hardly get enough food to feed yourself and have any housing. I think it was estimated that 80 percent of the Polish people had to use their their efforts and time just to survive. 
And so to to get some military weapons and have an uprising besides, that's almost impossible. So my relatives have been writing to me just prior to this big showdown with martial law and the um, um, the Battle of, the, of Solidarity. My relatives are writing and saying, hey, could you please send us some money? It is impossible to buy anything in stores now with Polish money. Polish currency at the time was not worth much because Poland did not produce much. All technology, computers, phones, was all produced in the West and one had to have Western currency to buy Western products. Banks wouldn't simply exchange money, so everyone, including the government, was trying to figure out how to get it. So they were asking me to send them some Western currency so they could actually purchase things that the shelves didn't have on um, in stores. And so there's a, a tremendous shortage. And, well, I'd had experience with sending money before in the mail. One time, Brother Sliva had mailed some cash only to reach his family opened and missing of the money. Sending a check was also not an option as a bank would only cash in Polish currency. And with a baby in cloth diapers and laundry soap that could only be purchased with Western currency, his family was desperate for some of their basic needs to be met. Um, so I'm trying to think, how do I get them some money? Because I like to help, I don't know how. So I'm stalling around, not on purpose, just trying to figure out how to do this. And in that process of waiting, probably about a month or two, all of a sudden the news were told that the Polish government has been overtaken by the military. Martial law has just been imposed. The borders going into Poland have been closed. No more Westerners are allowed in. Secondly, they've cut all the phone lines. There's no more phone service anywhere in Poland. Three, uh, there's no more mail being delivered in Poland. So my chance to mail something in is impossible. There was no cell phones in those days. Uh, Walkie-talkies were legal there anyway. Um, you can't write, you can't call, and the borders are closed, and it looked like it was going to be, um, could be a vicious bloodshed of um, Soviet tanks rolling through Poland and just crushing the uprising. So that didn't happen, thank God, but that was the scary moment that we didn't know at that moment. And so I remember thinking, oh God, sorry. I I've been dilly-dallying around for a month and a half or longer. They're pleading for some money just to survive, and I didn't do something. I, I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people listening that can relate to times that you knew you were being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, and you stall for one reason or another, and then pow, the opportunity's gone. It's like, oh, I regret it so much. Well, I'm in one of those moments where I'm just regretting it so much, and, and I just really felt bad. I, I remember asking some people, because I knew it firsthand from my, the letters from my relatives, um, how difficult the times were. So I asked a number of people, hey, would you please pray? Um, it's really bad in Poland now. There is a shortage before this martial law was imposed. It's really going to be bad now. I only thought that it'd be just, I'd pray a nice little prayer and God help them. And obviously there's nothing further I could do, right? Well, no, God had other things in mind. And again, like I said, I don't get much advance notice warning about all these things, but I'm just thinking I'm going to do my good deed and Pray God bless all the people in Poland. Be be warm, be fed. That was nothing too. There was no clothing to speak of. Stores didn't have if if a store got a shipment of anything in it, whether it be um, the marketplace getting some meat, uh, the meat was rationed and it was gone in just 
hours and the store was shut down for the rest of the day because they were sold out. With food being rationed, so was clothing as well. One lady waited in line for three days when she heard a store had shoes, but when she got in, she didn't know what size to buy because her feet were too swollen to try anything on. Uh, there I am just uh, wishing them be warm, be fed. Um, God bless them. Not really planning that there's not seeing much more I could do. And then, uh, of course, some of the people gave me some feedback. They said, oh, hey, we heard that the borders have just been open and they're allowing no tourism, but they are allowing Red Cross relief supply agencies and those kind of things to be able to come in and bring um, uh, emergency help uh, because the stores have nothing and the, and the people are in a desperate situation. I, I remember thinking, well, I'm not the Red Cross. And I did kind of check into it, like, you know, is it possible I can make a trip in there? And it's like, no, you have to have an export license from the country I'm leaving. You have to be a registered organization that's uh, officially recognized by the, um, by the governments. And so that wasn't me. So I thought, good try, but it doesn't work. And then I think Brother Balsa said, hey, you know, there's this one group, it's a German group, uh, it's actually a Christian-based group, and they take they they actually have the authorization and are taking supplies in. Maybe you could see we could get hooked up with them that we could you know join their convoy and take our our stuff into believers. Now, with some apostolic connections in Warsaw, the benefits of being able to take in provisions grew. Unfortunately, unless you were part of the Communist Party or even the Catholic Church, your chances were slim to none. And so we were checking it out, and I wasn't planning on this, but the Lord opened the door for um, this organization to be able to get us uh, visas and said we would be allowed to travel with them across the border into Poland. And once we got into Poland, uh, we could kind of go our own ways and we could make our own uh, uh, drop-offs. Now, part of the condition was you had to be taking the food and clothing either to a government agency, a hospital, or a recognized religious organization, but it had to be recognized. Well, there's not a lot of those in uh, the Soviet world. Uh, and the uh, apostolics were not registered, so that made it a little difficult. Well, it seemed like we did find a, a church in Warsaw, uh, a Methodist church that said that um, they would... Um, we could get recognized and that would be our destination. And the, the trick would be is that we would just drop off a whole lot of food on the way there. Um, maybe not the most legal thing, but if no one really took inventory, maybe they wouldn't notice that. We dropped off quite a few things on the way. So it's a little bit of a risky deal now and I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous about that. I'm not a, a special undercover agent type person. And so I remember feeling a little antsy, but you know, God had opened the door, and I did make this promise. Lord, if you give me another chance, I will do better next time. And then, all of a sudden, there's this door open that I could get visas. I'm thinking, like, oh, I did promise God I'd do better next time. Ah, and so here's an opportunity, and am I going to go for it or not? Was kind of the battle of, I guess, the heart, like. I'm explaining to God, but I don't speak Polish, and this is risky, God, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I had a bunch of I don't knows about this. But the Lord just kept seemingly nudging me forward, and I'm not sure where this is going to go to. Well, okay, we can get visas now, great, but how will we get there? And they're only allowing truckloads of food and clothing in. 
And I'm thinking like, uh, well, I don't have one of those. I don't have that much food. I don't have one of those trucks. So we checked on renting one. And uh, as soon as the, the renting place in, in Germany found out that we wanted to go to Poland, they said, oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely, we're not going to let you borrow anything because that is under martial law. Any soldier could walk up and say, hey, we like your rented van there. Uh, why don't you just step out and we're going to take it. And they could drive off with it. With it and what could I do? Call the police. <laughs> there was no police. They had taken over the government. I, I couldn't protest anybody. There was, I mean, <laughs> the army was in control. And I just have to walk back to Germany somehow. So that whole idea of um, you know, where I'm going to get a vehicle from was just a real complicated mess. And so I'm saying, well, see there, God, can't go, uh, no vehicle. And then there was a guy who came and he said, look, I have a, a vehicle you could take and you'd be welcome to use this one. And I'm like, oh, mm, God. So I have a vehicle now, but I have no food to go. And this is probably more amazing. I could have accounted for the other things easily. Are uh, not so difficult for God to do, but where I'm going to come up with a you know a few grand. I'm not in any big budget. I didn't have any big budget for uh, taking uh, relief supplies into other countries. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. And I really felt like God, if you're in this, I, I don't want to have to beg somebody, or you know have some gimmick uh, or tell sad stories. Uh, if if you're really in, well, actually, I'm looking for excuse not to go. So I said, God, this is your will, then you're going to have to make it somehow happen. Because um, I'm kind of like on the Jonah Moe still, kind of reluctantly, not too excited about this trip yet. Uh, but I did promise God I'd go. And so um, I, I did ask these people to pray. I didn't, I, only one person a year earlier had said to me, you know, I'm really concerned about the situation in Poland. It looks like it's getting difficult there. If there's anything ever we can do to help with your relatives in Poland or whatever, let us know. That, I believe, is the only person that I said, hey, you mentioned that you wanted to help one time. Well, it looks like there's an opportunity for us to take some food and clothing in. Uh, if you want to help, that'd be great. And they sent over $1,000 uh, just right off the bat. Um, well, part two is, I remember I got a phone call one day. And the guy says, is this Mr. Sleeve? I said, yes. He says, uh, say, I'm part of a prayer group and um, we get together once a week and someone mentioned that you were going to Poland. Now, number one, that's not a true statement. I never told anybody I was going to Poland. As a matter of fact, I'm looking out to run the opposite direction. I had people, I'd only asked people to pray for Poland before martial law was even imposed because of the, the situation there. Somehow he had misunderstood the prayer request. And he says, uh, they mentioned that you were going to Poland and so I would like to help. So he said, I got your phone number and I passed the envelope around the office where I worked at. I've collected a few hundred dollars. How do I get that to you? Now, I never mentioned I'm soliciting for money. It was a misunderstanding that said I was going because up at that point, I was trying to figure out how not to go. And he's already collected the money. He's trying to figure out how to get me the money. Uh, literally several thousand dollars came in in a matter of like two or three weeks. Without soliciting and campaigning, or even telling sad stories, God proved he could supply even by using a somewhat reluctant James Sleva. And so I found myself on my first trip heading to Poland, uh, literally scared to death. I don't speak Polish, number one. Um, 
the crossing borders was quite interesting. Oh yeah, you had a bad, it was thankfully that I was part of this um, this relief agency that was registered with the government because uh, even to get out of Germany with that much food, you had to have an export license. Uh, otherwise, they're going to want to charge you customs, crossing borders, and that kind of stuff. So they took care of all the mess. Uh, we got across all the borders. Um, we're able to um, heading down the road. Uh, actually, this was my first trip. It ended up being three trips that we took all together. Um, quite amazing. Um, some of the feelings of, and this is probably, I guess, where it gets a little scarier, is... Um, I knew I'd be dropping off food where I wasn't really technically authorized. During this time, James Leva and his convoy were constantly stopped and asked for paperwork. But thankfully, they were able to provide it. Where most Polish people were not able to travel city to city, and definitely not Westerners, they traversed with ease. And what I didn't realize is that when we crossed into Poland, every city, every major city in Poland was surrounded by military soldiers. And even Polish people couldn't visit other Polish towns and travel. They were trying to make sure that there's no resistance could be organized. And hence, that's why they didn't allow any phone communication because you could organize um, um, a resistance or having a, um, a protest or demonstrations or have some kind of outbreak. Um, they didn't want any news media in there reporting to the West what was going on in case there was something ugly going on. So that's why the borders were closed and the Westerners were allowed. I did not happen to be the exception to that. Um, three, uh, they weren't uh, cell phones were out mail, even mailing letters to each other. Uh, There's no mail being delivered. And the lastly is that even uh, hand-delivered messages or messages conveyed you know, by individuals um, going back and forth. That's why the East Town was surrounded. There was a curfew in many towns that was at 8 o'clock in the more uh, tense areas. There was a 10 o'clock uh, curfew in other places. And so it made it really kind of um, where they were just trying to make sure that there was no, going to be no resistance going to uprise. It, it was interesting that uh, the quote-unquote Polish soldiers that were surrounding uh, or blocking the road. And so the when I would arrive with this truckload of food, clothing, and I had one driver with me, a uh, citizen driver, uh, when you get to the border, you literally uh, would be looking at guns and they would check your papers and they'd be making sure that you're going to the place you do, the destination you say you're going to. Um, I, I had a delivery that was supposed to be going to Warsaw, but I was stopping in Novi Stones and a number of other places where we were aware of apostolic believers and trying to help them out a little bit. And like I said, I had also the mission of my family in mind. I, I remember we finally made it to, again, a town I'm not supposed to be in technically, uh, to take some food to my relatives. And so um, we knock on the door and my relatives, of course, I've been there two times before. So they recognized me and when they saw me, they were horrified. They looked in their face like, oh no. And they grabbed me, pulled me in the door and shut the door real quick so no one could see what, <laughs> who just, they laid in the house. And you could just hear them just going to Polish like crazy. And I'm just grinning because I know why I'm there. They had, they're trying, they were horrified because they realized there's not supposed to be any Westerners in Poland right now. And they were afraid that I was about to get, about to get arrested, which might've been too far from the truth. They couldn't figure out how I even got across the border to be there because, that, you know, the borders are clearly closed. Nobody can come and go. 
Um, and so they ran and grabbed a guy upstairs who came down who was able to translate. And they're like, oh my God, you're you know, we're worried. I said, no, no, it's okay. I have a visa to be here right now. Uh, but I only have a four-day visa. I have to make all my deliveries and get out of here. So I can't linger and stay. And so um, uh, I said, look, I have some food for you in the van, uh, our vehicle. And so we had to discreetly uh, have a little, it's like a bunch of ants carrying little small grains of food back and forth. We had to make a, like a complicated trip. I parked two blocks away so that it wouldn't bring suspicion to their apartment building. And then if anyone knows that it had Western plates on it, we made sure we kind of did a crisscross trail to confuse people if they're trying to follow us where we were going to. And we didn't take big boxes of food in because that would obviously look very suspicious. We were just taking small little sacks of some things back and forth. And so we were you know, slowly bringing food in. I, I remember as we were, you know, we'd drop some food off and go back out and kind of do our crisscross paths and casually, you know, not making this too conspicuous, drop off the food. We're piling up the food uh, along the wall because since more than their kitchen cabinets could hold. Uh, and the mother in the house, she's crying, uh, weeping. She's just overwhelmed. And uh, I'm smiling because it feels good to be Mr. Good Guy here. And I remember she looked at me, she says, are you really an angel? I have more food in my front room right now than any store in this city. Well, I remember one of the churches we were at, we were dropping the food off at. Uh, there's a testimony of, of a lady who said that when she got some food, she went and shared it with her neighbor who was not a believer. And the person, the non-believer neighbor is looking at him and saying, why are you doing this? And the absolute person said, well, it's because God loves you and he's blessed me. And so I want to bless you too. Um, and he says, and the, the unbeliever said, this does not make any sense. You know, as well as I know, that when we eat this food, there won't be any more. And I can't believe you care about me this much. And the lady says, no, is the Lord provided because he cares for you that much. In a time where there is social unrest, financial instability, and a sense of misdirection, we can always lean on the God that will never leave us or forsake us. This testimony is here to remind us about God's grace and provision in your time of need, but also His desire for you to be His open hand to others the entire time. As 2020 comes to a close, know that God is in control. And where there seems to be no earthly way, there is still a heavenly way. I hope this story has blessed you today and gave you assurance that God will always meet you in a moment of need. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Untold Stories of Missions. We have a whole season lined up of tales for you to hear that you are going to enjoy and that we are looking forward to telling you. Please remember to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends. Also, we're doing something new this season, asking for recommendations for more stories from our listeners. Yes, you. If you know of someone that has an amazing and exhilarating story of the mission field, please email us at usompodcast19 at gmail.com. 
That's U-S-O-M podcast 19 at gmail.com. Thank you again and God bless.